welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Join us as we sit down with church leaders to discuss relevant trends and issues for today's church. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into a new episode of Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Peerch, and I'll be your host. We have with us today Ryan Keaton. He is the Emerging Generation Specialist for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Ryan, thank you for being here. You've been here uh, for a uh, conference for the last couple of days, and and so uh, we'll talk more about this, but I know you've been traveling the state, not only been sharing at churches about uh, the future, and but you've uh, you have a video going around that's on yeah. the the TBMB website, which made you very famous. And just talking, yeah, talking about all uh, the research that's been done and stuff. But that's kind of what I want us to talk about some, and I think this is very interesting and definitely applies to a local church. So, but uh, Ryan, why don't you just tell us a little, little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Ryan. I grew up in Middle Tennessee and Dixon, Tennessee, and. <laughs> Went and got my undergrad at Union University in West Tennessee, and that took me and placed me in West Tennessee, and I've been there ever since. So I live in Lexington, Tennessee, where I served on staff at First Baptist Lexington for about 11 years as a youth pastor, associate pastor, that type of thing. And me and my wife, Rebecca, we still live in Lexington, still serve at First Lexington in volunteer roles. Mm -hmm. So I'm still over the young adult and college ministry there as a volunteer. So I still have my hand in the local church, even right. though I work for the mission board now. And uh, my wife, Rebecca, is an oncology nurse mm-hmm. in Jackson. And so she uh, she works there. And yeah, it's just me and her right now. No kids. So yeah, enjoying life. And you've worked for, for the convention for, has it been two years? Almost. Yeah, I started mm-hmm. August of 21. So okay. about a year and a half or so. And you've been married for how long? We've been married for seven years, so October will be eight. So no dogs or cats? No or... animals, none of that, just me and her. So, <laughs> Well, you all are busy. So. That's right, on the road, so yeah. it's hard to... You don't have time to take care of anything. Yeah, right. yeah. So, yeah, you're all the way on the other side of the state today, so uh, I don't uh, uh, I, I don't envy the long drive. I've done it many times, so yeah, at least you have a time change, which that's always helps, yeah, going sure. that direction. Yeah, going back. Lose yeah. one, lose an hour coming this way. That's right, yeah. Well, Ryan, I know that uh, you've done, part of your job is, uh, uh, or has been, uh, doing a lot of research and, and telling people. So, why don't you, let's start off with just telling us what you do as a emerging generation specialist. So, this is the first I'm the first person in this role, and I think that our convention should be held uh, up in high view because there's not really any other state convention that has a role exactly like mine. Mm -hmm. But whoever in our convention saw the need to help churches reach, engage, mobilize young adults, primarily, yes, some college, but really post-college to to 40 is my primary focus because we have BCM leaders on the college campus and that type of thing. So I'll help churches with local church, college ministry, but primarily those post-college, the young singles, young professionals, young married, young married with kids would all fall under my umbrella. And just helping churches, if they need training in those areas or if they need resources or networking with other churches, 
uh, mobilization type things that would all fall under my umbrella. Okay. So one of the things that we've been doing, and this this will just be kind of a precursor of our rest of our discussion, but the convention is looking at the new uh, really vision and direction of where our convention as a whole, uh, our churches will go for the next 10 years. And come out of that was more of a listening sessions related to a uh, presentation that you'd done about some research of just what do we do? What, how do we reach people in this generation based on the research we have? So, uh, let's let's talk more about that. So, I mean, I know that you probably have talked about this so often. I mean, yeah, I, I see you sometimes on uh, Facebook or somebody you're speaking and you don't have any notes. You probably tell, tell you you have all your research memorized. But let's just talk about some of those things and uh, where we are, have been in the past, where we are today and in the future. Sure. Yeah. So we started as a convention with goals in 2014. That'll kind of come to an end in 2024 and so the futurist team that I was assigned to kind of help lead and be a part there was five of us on the team all from our uh, staff at the mission board we were just kind of commissioned to do some research we worked with a futurist uh, Bruce Tan out of Knoxville actually Mm -hmm. who does a lot with uh, the Tennessee Department of Housing and um just helps even the state with low income type things. Mm-hmm. We met with him because he is in the futurist world as far as doing projections and kind of knowing where our state is at a little bit better <laughs> than we would. And he he helped us kind of even think through how do you how do you look for these type of projections in the future? What are things that are outliers? What are things you need to keep in mind? And so we presented this just so our Tennessee Baptist churches and church members can start thinking ahead. Mm-hmm not look back to what are things that we did well in the past and we maybe need to recreate, but what are some new dreams that we can dream? Where are we at? Kind of helping church members really put a finger on the pulse of what is your community? Is your community changing? Who's coming into your community? Where are they coming from? And so a lot of that data that we pulled was, you know, lifespan type stuff, social, uh, economic, technology trends, all of those population trends and how do those impact our churches and why should we take those into consideration? So give me some examples. So, so where are we with just those things at the very beginning where we, where have we, we kind of laid out in your presentation. Um, I should remember because I've seen it multiple times, but uh, you kind of lay out where we were and then where we are right now. So where are we with our, in our lifespan and some of those other areas? Sure. So, you know, Jesus was a futurist in the fact that he told and encouraged his disciples to look to the future. And so that's why we as a convention wanted to dream, to think ahead. And the Acts 2.17 kind of pushed us to that. And so our state, and we're seeing these even in our rural communities, our state is growing exponentially. You know, a lot of people look to the metro areas as places that are growing, but we would probably see growth across the board in all of our counties to some degree. And so it's projected that that'll continue to rise within the next 10 years, over a million more are projected to move into Tennessee. So that's about a 14% increase. Let me ask you that. Of course, it's projected a million more, but that's projections based on 2019 and 2020. That doesn't necessarily take into account the blue oval city or 
uh, uh, migration of immigrants in our country. So a million people could easily double. Be a low end of the yeah the model for sure. Yeah. And so infrastructure-wise, but even our churches, you, you know, we do have a little over 3,100 Tennessee Baptist churches. But when you start thinking about 8, 9 million people, mm-hmm. uh, we need more. We right. need more churches. We need more church leaders. We need churches who are being effective to reach their communities. And so mm-hmm. just even looking at that one instance of population, it really should push us to think, okay, we need to be prepared for that. Like mm-hmm. Blue Oval City, okay, if we're going to have somewhere between 90,000 or more people move into a very uh, rural farm community of West Tennessee, it's going to change the dynamic of whole West Tennessee. Sure. So we need churches not only that are already there to start being intentional to reach their community, but we're going to need new church plants, uh, people who are going to be intentional to do secular jobs. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're an engineer, maybe you're a teacher, and so you move to Haywood County so that you can help that influx and have a Christian perspective in it as well. Yeah, so we have we have actually several things going on. So, so here you have, for example, uh, you have an influx of a population, um, as well, and one thing I didn't mention too for state Tennessee, so you have uh, people from other states who are coming in. That's going to raise your amount of people. But then also you mentioned about the uh, uh, people are growing; they're they're living longer. Yeah. So that adds a whole another element to it. Yeah, lifespan is uh, projected to increase. Uh, you know, over seventy years, retirees are expected to travel more and stuff, and mm-hmm. so that's going to impact churches, senior adult ministries, and how they approach senior adult. By 2030, a fifth of the U.S. population will be of retirement age. Yeah, And so it's not just a need of focus on children and student young adult ministry, which is in need, but it's it's the focus of having vibrant senior adult ministries as well as these senior adults are going to be moving to our state who maybe don't have a biblical background. How do we engage those 55 and plus with the gospel as well. Mm -hmm. And it may have to be more than just the traditional ways that we've gone about doing that. Right. And I remember in seminary 25 years ago, I remember sitting in a class with saying this exact same thing and, and, and uh, saying that we're going to have a, there's going to come a time we're going to have a, a senior adult, large senior adult population. So that, and that is something we have to address. So that's something that the local church needs to think about. I mean, we have a lot of senior adults in our, our churches as well, but imagine that uh, uh, doubling that or your whole church may be senior adults. Uh, what what does that ministry look at like? And, you know, and that's part of this whole idea for us to look to the future. I think you gave us three options a church can deal with all the research. It could be you could— uh, be reactive yes so we can just see the trends we can be inactive so we can see the changes coming and just we're going to stick with what we're doing we can react to it and so when it happens then we'll just kind of roll with the punches you can be pre-active you can kind of see it Mm -hmm. coming or you can be proactive and so we as a convention we're trying to be proactive in this we're trying to get ahead of not what is already happening but how can we have things into place so if another pandemic were to hit or if technology were to change in this way our churches are already agile enough that and our convention is agile enough that we can be ready for it Mm -hmm. well and that's hard to do you know i think all of us 
well, not all of us. There, 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 there's some of us that want to think, okay, what what's it going to look like in the future? How can we get a jump on things? But most of the time, what happens? I think you describe it as a wave. It's you. The wave comes, and you just kind of jump on board and ride this wave. And I think a lot of times there, there's a group of churches that do just that, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, but that's not the you know if you can get ahead of that, you can be more effective, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, and as far as as far as reaching people in our population, what what where are we today? Uh, as far as your research, I mean, is is it showing, is still showing we're still on track for, they're projecting for 10 years, right? So we're still on track to continue to do that in, in those different areas. Yeah, so as far as are we hitting even the objectives we're working on now, uh, we're, we're behind, I would say, in a lot of areas. And you could say for a number of reasons, but, you know, with the exponential growth, you would hope to see, you know, growth in baptisms, growth in new churches, all of those. And we are planting new churches. We are seeing people baptized, but not to the rate in which we're seeing the influx of people move in. Mm -hmm. So the objective team that I am on right now is to hopefully help see Tennessee Baptist annually see 50,000 saved, baptized, and set on the road to discipleship. And my understanding was they set that in 2014 Correct. because we were seeing an influx of 50,000 people move into our state every year. Mm -hmm. And so that's that was a goal set then to kind of see that, all right, we're we're trying to be proactive in this. And so what are what are those for our future? I'm not sure, but you know, we it's projected we have a little over 7 million right now. The American Belief Study of 2021 came out and said that about 73% of Tennessee will not be engaged in a local church service at least once a month. Mm. And so you're looking at a little over 5 million that are, for you know, lack of a better word, unchurched. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be in any type of religious service at least once a month. Right. And an active church membership is attending some type <laughs> of religious service twice a month. So you go to a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night, you go back on church that Sunday, you only go really one week a month, you're considered active. And mm. so I think that's telling. Yeah. Well, that's very different than what the past used to be. Active person was there whenever the church doors were open. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Monday night visitation or whatever. So. Right. Yeah. So it's changed a lot. So why is that that it's changed like that? There could be a lot of different ways we could go with that. But I think uh, cultural values mm -hmm. i know that millennials and gen z have high value of of community even community outside of the church and so they're spending more time at home with their families or they're spending more time with their secular friends and they're finding community outside of the walls of the church mm -hmm. the, the church isn't seen as the meeting place of the community as it was in years past right wrong or indifferent and so churches have to find ways to be able to create community with those outside of the church that may not be on their church campus. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that's an in interesting thought that to me would provoke a lot of ideas of what the local church could do. And, uh, um, you know, I think that one problem we have is we're, we, we want to continue to do the things we've done in the past, yeah. but we can't do that anymore. Can we? No, no. And I'm, churches are already starting to pivot in the way, you know, some are, keeping their buildings open seven days a week and ministering in different ways, whether it is with uh, 
recovery ministries or counseling ministries or even offering things to the community like a community garden or as uh, electric vehicles get more uh, prevalent, you know, charging stations at Mm -hmm. your church where people are on your church campus for more than just service time Mm -hmm. so that you can engage. And churches are already trying to find ways. You see churches adding coffee shops or bookstores or whatever it may be on their church campus so that their members can engage in life with people who wouldn't come to their church maybe for a service but would for these other services. Yeah. So you had mentioned to me that there was there's lots of other uh, aspects of this that, that you really didn't talk about in your presentation that uh, that uh, may help us see a bigger picture that they're projecting. What, what are some of those? We see, and part of the presentation shared this, but just a with the increase of lifespan, you also see, though, a delay in marriages. And so the average age of marriage is 30 years old, which I think would be much later than even years past. And with that, you have people waiting longer to have kids, which is impacting the number of kids that people are having. We're seeing a rise in infertility and people struggling with having kids, Mm. which at least in my experience is not something that older generations dealt with as much as millennials and Gen Z are dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so just even how the church approaches the language in which they use when people are walking through seasons of life like Mm -hmm. that, because it's not been as prevalent of an issue as it is now. And so with those delay in marital age, the smaller home sizes, the rise in single person households, uh, churches have to figure out in specifically young adult ministry, maybe, you know, what does our singles ministry look like? You don't have to necessarily have a specific singles ministry, but are we single friendly? Because traditional churches are set up that you're going to have a traditional model of life. And so you're going to graduate high school. You're going to go to college or into the workforce. Chances are by 21 to 23, you're going to get married, start having kids. And that's how a lot of our programs and small groups and classes are set up. Mm-hmm. Well, if they're waiting until 30 to get married or later, then you have about a seven or eight year span of limbo of, Mm -hmm. well, I'm the only other class for me is a married class. Or what if they hit their thirties and forties and haven't married or are divorced and have a kid? Not a lot of churches have ministry that would impact. And so thinking because that's where we're at and it's just projected to continue to rise. The single person household is projected to be 14% of the U S households we're seeing non-traditional families increase. So you're seeing kids being raised by their grandparents or an mm-hmm. aunt or uncle. And so, I mean, even the way that children and youth ministries resource parents, it may not be the traditional family like in years past when you're giving these resources and when you're trying to disciple parents to disciple their kids, that even looks different. Mm. Uh, the, the switch in the way that people work their jobs, <laughs> we're seeing an increase of people working from home shopping from home, entertainment from home. And that's led to a rise of people wanting to have church community at home. Mm -hmm. And so churches are wrestling with the balance of how much do we offer online versus how can we create online experiences, but also drive people to see the need of being face-to-face in person. Because I think, you know, any growing believer would say that the face-to-face interaction just creates a bigger warmth and mm-hmm. accountability than you can experience on a screen. And so how can we have maybe both to minister to people, but still drive what is kind of our core values as well? That's kind of hard to balance because if, if you got <clears throat> people who are wanting community, 
but they're not wanting feel comfortable to go to a place to worship that has community. I mean, that's that's kind of hard to balance. You know, they're they maybe maybe it's about having a group of people watching worship service on their TV. You know, I don't know or on the internet. So that's just a that's just an odd thing to think through. But and 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 of course, technology has versus the last three years, we have changed so drastically in our technology. Did you have any projections with that? It's hard to tell exactly where technology will go. And there's already so much out right now that, I mean, if we just look at where we're at, we're behind as far as some church function. COVID did push us into having online giving and streaming services and things. But when you start getting into Oculus goggles and um, the ability to be able to have small groups online where you put on a headset and it when you look around, it looks like you're sitting around a table or a room with another group of people, even though they may be scattered out throughout the world. Right. That's a foreign concept, but it's something that is happening. You're mm-hmm. having the option to watch and to, to watch sporting events courtside. Yeah. Uh, but you're sitting in your living room. And so people are already experiencing these type of entertainment models. And there are churches out there that are starting fully online ministries, trying to tap into this world. Mm-hmm. And so how can you drive that online engagement back to your local church? I'm not sure, you know, and that's a question that we're going to have to answer. That's a question that each individual church is going to have to really start thinking through. How can we, what is our theology of, you know, in the building versus online? And what does the local church really look like? Mm -hmm. And those are questions that we're having to answer because this online sphere is growing. It's not like it's going to go away. Mm -hmm. So we can't we can't just be inactive when it comes to issues like technology because we're only going to continue to advance. Right. And so we even if we don't fully support every avenue of it, we need to at least have some type of contemplative answer because young adults are experiencing this. They're in the world and especially after millennials, Gen Z, they don't know a world outside of technology. Mm-hmm. And so if you're completely ignoring the technology field, then you're missing opportunities to be able to maybe counsel or mentor because we're seeing with the rise of technology, Gen Z's anxiety and depression rate is just shooting through the roof. Uh, suicide rate, drug uh, drug use rate. And so there are some statistics that would directly correlate the rise in technology to the rise of connectivity to this reason. You're so connected, but you don't have meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. And so the church has the opportunity to then step in and say, well, you were designed and created to have this certain identity and that relationship is through Jesus. Mm. And then Jesus pushes us to this biblical community of having brothers and sisters in Christ that encourage one another. And so this is why we want to meet, yeah, maybe in maybe online at times, but it's more, it's more than just a study or a, a Bible experience, but it's actual biblical community. Mm-hmm. And... And really, that's maybe a pivot some churches have to make of, yes, programs are important, but the underlying value of a lot of young adults are the the community outside of you just teaching me about God's Word. Mm-hmm. I want to walk through everyday life of living this with you hmm. uh, intergenerationally. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's that's uh, great. I, I was thinking about um, what we've been doing is we've, we've showed your presentation not only at the convention, but we've... Uh, went to different associations across our whole state. I've been to a few of those to help record those and to hear 
the uh, pastors and lay leaders that have come to these meetings here they interact I, I, I think back of one in a in a kind of a rural area and we were sitting there on, on a in the middle of the week at nighttime and we had a couple rooms because there was that many people we had I, I was in one room and I remember hearing this lady that was probably my guess she might have been in her upper 60s or 70 and she made a statement she says we have uh not only our church but the church we were at which is a pretty good size uh, church uh we have went to every single house in our community and we can't reach them we can't get in the schools anymore because the restrictions they didn't have before COVID that they have. Now, not all schools do, but a lot of them have new restrictions. And so, and they they were sharing and talking about it. Um, I think one of the guys who was in that meeting was a, uh, uh, a coach. Uh, so he did that on the side. So that was the avenue. But I could, I could feel it in her voice of just being desperate and knowing that there was such a need for her community to know Christ, and she, she, and they've tried everything in her mind to try to do that. And, of course, I know the whole idea for these, uh, the, this discussion and, and for us to listen across the state of Tennessee is to, for us to talk together. How do we address this problem? How can we reach people? You know, and we're kind of in, in, in this state uh, this year, we're experiencing some awakening, some a revival that's kind of happening. And uh, will that play into all this discussion within the local church? I don't know. I hope so. I uh, hope it helps us to look at things differently than in, in the past. And, and I think in our discussion, you can tell me this, if, I, if I'm correct, we have to think uh think how we do church different. We can't do church the same way we've always done it, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, my heart breaks for that woman. And that's the reason that we've had listening sessions across the whole state, because every community is different. Mm-hmm. There's not a magic bullet of if you do this, you're going to be able to reach <laughs> your community. Every church, every church leader, every church member has to have the finger on the pulse of their community of, you know, some communities are much more open in some ways and some aren't. And so how can you be creative? It may be that we have to redefine what a win is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that a lot of times we view a win as we knock on the door, they give their life to Jesus, they become a every week member at our church. And that may not be what a win is anymore. The win may be they opened the door and we were able to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we identified who lives in that house. And that may seem very nuts and bolts elementary stuff. The generation that is living right now has such a lack of biblical knowledge that it may take a few more touches than in years past when there was more of a foundation of at least an understanding of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. There's just not that in our communities anymore. Right. And so it may take a few more touches. It may take, you know, finding different ways to create relationship where the evangelism experience isn't just a knock on the door, share the gospel, but it's somehow figuring out how to live life with that person or rub elbows with that person enough that they can see, yes, Jesus, through your words. You have to share the gospel through words, but also share the gospel through action. Right. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to me. We could probably talk about this all day long. And there's a lot of avenues and 
you know, this, this, uh, this is much bigger than you and me. And, uh, we could, we could try to solve this, but it's going to take, uh, a group of believers and following God's leadership of just knowing and, and being aware of where God's working and, and that we can get involved in that. So, yeah. And I would just a kind of final encouragement of just don't give up because it's really easy to think about the future or see these projections and think the sky is falling, but you know, God is in control of all of this. And I've just been really encouraged or just really inspired by the idea that God doesn't hold you accountable to any other season of time but the one we're in right now. Mm-hmm. And so he's placed us here for whatever reason, for this time and purpose. Mm-hmm. And so he's given us the gifts and the skills and the abilities to share the gospel in this day and age that we're in. Yeah. And so we can do it, not because of our own, our own, but because we serve a God who can. Right. And so um, I, I have great anticipation that God is going to raise up leaders out of older generations, younger generations, and give them a vision of how can we share the gospel to this land. Yeah. Well, now, if someone's listening right now, they want to find out more information uh, maybe about your presentation. I think it's on the the, uh, website of the convention, right? Sure. So you can go to tnbaptist.org slash acts217. That's all one word. And you can find some of the videos. You can find the PowerPoint of the presentation. And, uh, an interactive map where you can see projections for your community and all of that. All is that on that Acts 217 off tnbaptist.org. And I'm sure if a church would like you to come out and just share with them, you'd be glad to do that. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. And so Ryan Keaton, K-E-A-T-O-N. And so email is just rkeaton at tnbaptist.org. I'd love to connect. All right. Ryan, thank you for coming. Thank you for spending yeah, some time. Thank you for having me. For those who are listening to me right now, or our podcast, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, please leave a comment or just uh, if you'll just follow us. That would encourage others to listen to this great resource. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any questions for Ryan or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo@tmbaptist.org. Until next time, uh, I hope that you will share the good news of Christ with someone today. Thank you for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast of TN Baptist Camps. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org or you can email us at carsonpodcast at tnbaptist.org.